test. All right, if we could all find our seats. I don't think we did a good job of getting everyone in here this time. Too good of food. I hope you were blessed. Amen. Well, we have a lot to cover in a short amount of time. And so I want to I wanna kind of lay things out for you today so that hopefully they'll flow as smooth as possible. Uh, First thing, I need to clarify something I said last night, and I misspoke in my math on, on the children of Israel and the spies. There were 12, at least 12, there could have been more, but there's 12 mentioned that was sent in. Uh, I gave Moses and Joshua the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't even say that they were in the we be able crowd, but I'm putting them in with Caleb. Caleb definitely said we be able to take the land, so that's one. And again, I, that's just Dwayneology, gave Moses, I kind of like him, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I gave Joshua the benefit of the doubt. So that leaves 10 deadheads, not 8. So now my point is even a greater point. Even when I'm wrong, man, I'm anointed, praise God. If you surround yourself with two more deadheads than I told you last night, you're headed for the desert, amen? So that's important that I clarify that, and I'm going to need to clarify that in my last session because I'd like to fix that on the CDs so that that doesn't throw people. You know, we, get, we can get thrown by anything, and so that's important. Second thing I want to, I want to cover with you is our Jubilee in, in July. I'm adding something at least one year. I don't know if we're going to do this every year, but part of our strategy, our methodology and in blessing, blessing other churches as well, is on Wednesday, uh, we're going to have a worship, a worship session and some, some sessions on worship. And I have a friend coming in, Daniel Amstance. Daniel Amstance is a friend that I minister with at Andrew Walmack's. And he does the worship at Andrew Walmack Ministries. And he was our worship leader, Sue and I, 30 years ago. So we've known him a long time, and he's very anointed in worship and in some understanding about worship. So that might be something you want to consider as a pastor to bring your worship team or to at least bring a worship leader because uh, worship leaders and finding worship leaders is always a challenge. It's just a tremendous challenge to find somebody that can connect horizontally but truly take people vertical. Uh, that's a gift. And, and some people can't, I guess, even be taught it. They're gifted in music or vocals, but they just can't seem to, to make that connect and then uh, horizontal and then go vertical. They, they tend to chide or, or, or um, chastise the body for not worshiping instead of just worship. Just lead them uh, into the presence and, and, and fullness of God. So Daniel will be a tremendous blessing. And so that's going to be available at Jubilee this year. Something we've added. Uh, today is rapid fire day. 
we are going to just hit you hard and fast. And so we have to keep our timelines. Uh, I wish everybody could speak. I'd love for everybody to share something. But what we've done is we've just asked people that are registered, that have a heart for us and have a heart for rural America and have a heart for overlooked places and overlooked people. Because uh, most people in ministry don't care about us. They, they care about the bigger crowds, the, the bigger cities, the, uh, that kind of thing. And, and God sends people to bigger crowds and bigger cities, that's for sure. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying there's some great anointed people in rural America that nobody knows are, is out there. And I know they're out there for sure. And, and we're in rural America. All of my locations are in rural America. And so uh, we want to hear from those guys. So some will be only 15 minutes. And actually, those are some of the best sessions because you don't have time to rattle. If you've got something to say, you've got 15 minutes to say it. Uh, and if you can't say it in 15 minutes, sit down. <laughs> and actually, a 15-minute message is harder than an hour message. And so then there's some 30-minute messages. So we're going to get started. Uh, this is Pastor Curtis Coker from uh, uh, Durant. He pastors here in Durant. Precious man, godly godly man and family and we just love him we appreciate his heart and spirit so much so would you please welcome pastor curtis hallelujah we moved the steps on you <laughs> all right how many people were here last year raise your hand does everybody remember what this represents this tree represents creation it represents the beginning and we're going to we're not going to pick up where we left off, but we're going to use the same thing as we did last year as a point of reference. That remember, if something has a beginning, it has a? All right, just want to make sure you remember that. All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in this place. We recognize you as the great teacher. We call upon you now to open the eyes of our understanding. We, we know so much, we understand so little. And so we ask that you bring us revelation knowledge so we can be transformed on the inside May this just not be an accumulation of information, but may it be transformation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to be moving quite fast. Book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses, notice it says your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses say you were dead in yours but he's forgiven you of all because even if you hadn't done any you're still guilty of them all does everybody understand that all right just want to make that perfectly clear let's see what it says over in the book of ephesians turn over to ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 it says for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. See, there's a wall called separation. What's a wall made out of? Everybody say stones. One stone or many stones? What was the law written on? See, the law brought a separation between the Gentile and the Jews. It was the only thing that separated the Gentiles from the Jews, is the law. The scripture says here that Jesus broke down that wall. See, there was something that was separating us. In verse 12, it says that, that we were 
aliens. We were separated. It says we were strangers, that we were separated from the life of God. We were separated from the hope of God. We were separated from God. We were dead to God. The law had made us separate. The law comes to bring us, make us separate, to divide us. Verse 14, it says, He Himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. How did He do that? Having abolished. Everybody say the word abolished. abolished. In His flesh. Everybody say communion. Next time you take communion, read this scripture when you hold up the bread and break it. Oh, I heard somebody go, mm. Because when Jesus at the Seder mill, 15 steps of the Seder mill, he held the cup after supper, cup of Elijah. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant because he had held up the bread of the old covenant. All right, you're thinking already. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two making peace see we always focus on what God abolished but why did he abolish the law of commandments why did he abolish the law it was so see he didn't abolish the law so he could have the Jews live like the Gentiles he didn't abolish the law so the Gentiles would have to live like the Jews he didn't abolish the law so we could have anarchy and just live the way we wanted to live. He abolished the law for a purpose so he could create. He could take from this one and he can take from this one. It reminds me of Adam and Eve. And when they come together, he creates one new man that will have a relationship with him. This is my wife, Joy. Everybody say hi, Joy. When we got married, she didn't give me a bunch of rules and regulations to say, be my husband. I had to do certain things because we had a relationship of love. Matter of fact, she didn't give me a rules or regulations. I gave her a covenant. I told her what I would do and wouldn't do. And God gave us a covenant saying, this is what I have done. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is already yours. My promises are yes and amen. How far do you want to go with this? He made vows with us, not so we'd have to follow, to show us how much He loves us. Man. Come on. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. How did he do that? Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us. Those two words, against and contrary, are the same word, basically, but they're different. They have the same purpose, but they have different applications. The word against means applied to from the outside. You know, it's something that's put on you. It's something that's obvious. It's noticeable. 
The word contrary, literally the root word for the word contrary, is the word covert. You know what covert is? It's sneaky. It's on the inside. See, the law of the requirements or the law is working on the outside, but the law is also working on the... And you may have taken it off on the outside, but you haven't taken it off on the inside. There's something called the law of physics. And the law of physics, the first law of physics says for every action there's an opposite equal reaction. Now there's a teaching in the Word of God called the law, the, the heart physics. It's talking about the issues of the heart. And the law of physics apply parallel to your heart. The way it works in heart physics is this way. If I tell myself I must become something... I've just told myself I'm not that something. The harder I try to become something I'm not, the more I solidify the fact that I'm not what I'm trying to become. The harder I try, the deeper that belief goes. A failure. And pretty soon, you try, you don't, you fail. It's like going up river trying to swim. And as you swim upriver, you get tired. What do you do? You quit paddling. You quit swimming. And what happens? The current that's against you starts pushing you backwards. The current starts pushing you backwards because you can't keep up with the pressure. Are we good? Is this going to take off my time? Keep going. Let's put it this way. It's like going across the river the other way. Let's say you want to get across the river. And as you're going across, and you're on this side of the bank, you want to get to the other side of the bank, and the current is flowing this way. And you start swimming across the river. And guess what happens? The current that's working against you will make you miss your mark. It'll cause you to flow this way. When you get tired, it'll take you all the way to where the current is headed. See, the, the law on the inside of you is a current. It's against you. It's not for you. Just a couple quick little thoughts. The Ten Commandments were never given to the Gentiles. How many Gentiles we have in here? You know... Thou shalt not kill was given a commandment to the Jews. And after that, they went and killed the Gentiles. The law was against us, people. It wasn't for us. This next part, verse 14 in Colossians chapter 2. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it. Everybody say it. Out of the way. I've got a simple mind. I asked the Holy Spirit, how far did he take it? out of the way you know you can set something down but doesn't mean it's out of the way you'll trip over it because you didn't set it far enough out of the way 
Holy Spirit had me go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. This is the story where the children of Israel coming up to the, the river Jordan for the, everybody say the second time. They're looking at the promised land. The land that God said that they could have everything that God said that they could have. They could do everything that God said that they could do. And they could be everything that God said that they already were. See, they'd already been there once before, hadn't they? See, the children of Israel, let's go back in history. The children of Israel already had a Passover. I love what the pastor was saying yesterday. Oh, the word was confirming. The, the children of Israel already had a Passover. They'd already been saved by the blood. They'd already been freed from death. They'd already been baptized. They were even led by the Spirit with a pillar of fire and a cloud. And when they came up to the River Jordan the first time, they still couldn't cross over. Saved, baptized, led by the Spirit, and had a heart of unbelief. They believed in God. That's good. They believed in God. What happened? They received the law. For the first time. How many spies went into the. Spy out the land. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you got an A. How many spies came back? How many spies came back? How many spies said you can't have what God said you could have? How many said you could? When Jesus was asked, which of the Ten Commandments was the greatest? Let me ask it this way. How many Ten Commandments are there? You get that one right. Jesus was asked, which of the ten was the greatest? He said, neither. There's only... See, the ten will keep you out. The two will get you in. Mm. Come on. See, a heart full of the law will make you think of yourself only. It will just make you focused on what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and where you don't match up. See, it's not that God isn't able and that He hasn't already done it. He says we just don't believe it. Because there's something in our heart that's working contrary. It's working contrary. Jesus came to heal the broken, not change what we do on the outside. He came to change what we feel on the inside. Mm. Moses came down out of the mountain with the Ten Commandments. He saw that what was going on with his people what did he do? He take the tablets of stone and he threw them at the base of the mountain and they broke in pieces. How many people died that day? How many? 3,000. 
The first day the law showed up, 3,000 people died. Acts chapter 2. The first day the gospel was preached. How many people were added? The law came to kill. Come on, church. Moses came down on the mountain and had the glory of the Lord on his face, and the people were scared. We'll talk about this in a second. What was their reaction? They pulled away. Jesus came down out of the Mount Transfiguration with the same glory, and they ran to him. The light via the law will persecute you and show you what's wrong with you. The light coming from love will show you what's right with you. Come on. Come on, church. Now, you're not ready. This is... Save your energy. You're going to need it in just a little bit. We're, we're going to find out how religious you are. Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and do that. Just reach over like this and unhook that relig religious seatbelt. Because you're, 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 not, you're not going to want to stay seated. Let's go back to the book of Colossians. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way. He's taken it out of the way. I asked that question. If you can put Joshua 3, 14 and 15 back on the screen. The children of Israel standing here at the river Jordan. In verse 15 it says that at the time of harvest the Jordan River overflows its boundaries. There's more current and there's more energy going against them and keeping them out of the promised land at this time of the year than any other time. The current is stronger now. The energy is stronger. And there's something keeping us out of the promises of God, the kingdom of heaven on this earth, the promises of God, the life of God, the love of God. There's something that's separating the body of Christ from God's promises. It's called the Jordan. You know the story. We're pastors. We don't need to talk about all the stories. But when the priest's toes touched the edge of the water, what happened? Put verse 16 on the board. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. All the way back to Adam. Where was the first law given? What was the first thing that separated man from God? A law. There was only one. We refer to it now as the law of sin and death. That at Calvary... It just wasn't the Ten Commandments. It just wasn't the, the ceremony. Listen, it wasn't the breaking the ceremonial law. Isn't why you were dead in Christ? Or you, why you were dead? Separated from God because you broke a ceremonial law? Listen, as Gentiles, it's not even because you broke the Ten Commandments. They weren't given to you in the first place. 
We were dead and separated from God because of what Adam did in the first law back there. And God pushed back the river Jordan all the way back to a town called Adam. Do you think it was by mistake he called the town Adam? Or do you think he planned on using this as an example for us so we know that everything's been taken out of our way so we can march into the kingdom of heaven, live in the promises of God with no excuse. See, the promise, listen, the law will do nothing but give you excuses. That's all the spies said when they came back from the Jordan. Oh, it's just like God said it is, but I don't know. That goes against everything I've ever believed. I've never heard that theology before. Well, you're about ready to hear something you probably never heard before either. And you better hope it never stops. One of the greatest things I've ever experienced in my life is realizing it's okay to be wrong. And knowing that my self-worth and my love for God's love for me isn't based on my rightness. Oh. It is freedom. It is freedom. It's okay to be wrong, pastors. Because now you know you're right. <laughs> Just kidding. That's okay. <laughs> Having wiped out the handwritings of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and having taken it, everybody say it, out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He says, It is finished. He didn't say, I am. He said, It is. The cross is a sign of something coming to an end. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we focus on the cross way too much. The, sign, the cross is a sign of death, suffering, and shame. It says in Romans 10, 9... If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, raised him from the dead, you shall experience salvation. See, the children of Israel, they had a Passover, but they refused to cross over. Got to preach. They were saved, baptized, filled with the Spirit, and refused to cross over. Oh. Church, what are we teaching our people? Reinforcing that current, reinforcing all the contrary? Are we setting people free? Talking about the promise. Yep, God says the promises are yours. But 
unless you do this, this, and this, you ain't going to get it. I'm not blessed because of what I do. I'm blessed because of what's been done for me. Man. You know, I quit trying to be a good Christian a long time ago. Because the harder I tried, the more I saw I wasn't. Now I know I am. I don't have to do something to be a son. I already am. So a man thinks it is mine. Mm. Oh, we half an hour, huh? Okay. Thank you. I'm thankful for that. Verse 15. You're not ready. I can tell it's too early. I told him to give you all a bunch of caffeine and donuts. Having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them in it. The word disarmed is the word apekduamai. It means to be stripped. It's a military term. But the word's just not what we're focusing here. The whole verse is describing an apekduamai. Anybody ever heard of the Apec Duomai before? Oh, look at the hands go up. I told you you're going to hear something you hadn't heard before. That's why you come to Ram, though, right? You got your stones ready? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Guess where that came from? Oh, never mind. The Apec Duomai of God. The word spoiled means to strip. Notice what it says here that he made a public spectacle and there was triumph. See, an Apec Duomai is a, it's a ceremony that's been done throughout history. It started back in the ancient days when they were barbarians. They would, when there a great battle took place and this, this general won over this general, this general would take this general, parade him through his town, and they'd cut off their thumbs so they couldn't hold the sword. They'd cut off their big toes so they couldn't keep balance, and they would strip them of all their regalia. And make a public spectacle. The whole town would come out. You see this in the movies with Romans. When they defeated a, a country. The, the conquering uh, general would. Uh, behind him come the defeated general. And behind him would be all his soldiers. The, the victorious, victorious army behind him in rank and file. As they paraded through the city. Before they entered the king or the throne. It was an open spectacle. The general would turn and he would get to this person and he'd say, well, because you were victorious over this and I beat you, I'm better than you. I'm bigger than that. And he began to take off all the insignias and things like this. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says in 7, 8, 9, it says this, and I'm going to do it kind of just in a rough form, but it says, before he ascended, he first descended. Into the lower parts of the earth. And the scripture says he led captivity captive. Now we're not going to go into all the things that talk about what he did while he was there. But what we do know is he took back the authority that the first Adam gave up at, in the garden. See, the first Adam 
gave it up. The second Adam had to get it back. And when he got back the authority, he goes down. There's the saints that had fallen asleep. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. Look at Matthew chapter 27 real quick. You need to see this. How much time we got? Eight minutes. Matthew chapter 27, it says this. Verse 50. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. How do we know top to bottom? Because the priest was in there doing the sacrifice of the Passover lamb at Passover. At the same time, Jesus gave up his ghost. So did the Passover lamb. And the priest saw it with their own eyes. And the earthquake and the rocks were split. There's three days in between verse 51 and 52 if you hadn't figured that out yet. It says this, And the graves were opened, and many of the bodies of the saints had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves, after, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So what do we have here? We have Jesus down in, in hell. He takes back. He comes to Abraham's bosom. He releases all the saints of old, and he leads them. You can't lead them by pushing them. He is leading the way out of the gates of hell. And all the saints of old that have been falling asleep are behind him. And as he comes out of the grave, what was, what was in front of the grave holding him back? Covering, it was called a... What's trying to keep life down? What has to be moved out of the way before life can come forth? And as Jesus, he's the... In, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, verse 20, that he's the first fruits of those that had fallen asleep. He's the he was the first one out, and as he came out, the rest of them went, went, went through. See, resurrection day isn't just about Jesus' resurrection. It's about all the saints of old that walked around the city of Jerusalem. Mary reaches down, grabs his feet, and says, it grabs it and he says what? Don't touch me because I'm not finished. He still had to take the blood to the altar. And on his way, you have this whole rank and file of soldiers. I believe he's dragging Satan behind him as a defeated foe. And all the heavens, all the host of heavens lined up somewhere between our realm and heaven called the second heavens. I believe that Jesus led this per processional and he stopped somewhere in between. And he turned to the devil and he began to strip him. He reached down, he grabbed his sword and the only weapon he has ever had was the law. The law is the only thing he could have done. The only weapon he ever had. He took the sword, run the, run the video. He took the sword, the word, he took that law away from him. He began to disarm the devil, saying, Death, I'm greater than you. Divorce, I'm greater than you. Disease, I'm greater than you. Depression, I'm greater than you. I am the victorious king. He began to leave, and all the host of heaven turned this up. All the host of heaven 
begin to shout and celebrate all the principalities and powers and everything that has been created saw the victorious words of Jesus Christ. This is what they saw. The enemy's been defeated. Death can hold you down. Lift up your voice and victory is going to make your presence Come on. before <laughs> you think I would do this if I didn't have a scripture <laughs> Psalms 24 look put it on the board verse 7 lift up your heads O ye gates got a question who's saying this no the saints of old that he woke up out of the grave they're talking to the gates of heaven and they say lift up your heads O ye gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in next verse then they who's the king of glory do you think they were I think it was part of the ceremony I think it was part of the they cried who's the king of glory their heads were like this how do we pray oh church pray like this <laughs> lift up your heads oh ye gates be lifted up your everlasting door and the king of glory shall come in who is the king of glory Jesus who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. What's host? It's army. The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Come on, church. Come on, church. See, the Bible tells us that we get our victory not from the cross. We get it from the resurrection. We could need to quit living in the cross and start living in the resurrection. But you got to tell your people about it. Uh-huh. Romans 8. See, Paul's the one that taught us this. I believe Paul had that revelation. And this is what Paul says. For I'm persuaded 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities of powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing. The law had a beginning, and the law has an end. Shall separate me from the love of God. Oh, church, nothing will separate you from the love of God. Hallelujah.